Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinema Nerd Presents Made in the 90s. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here with my buddy Dylan Shore, and we're going to talk about a movie called To Die For. Dylan, what is To Die For? To Die For is the 1995, yeah, 95 Gus Van Sant movie with Nicole Kidman and a young Joaquin Phoenix and a young Casey Affleck and one of Gus Van Sant's regulars, Matt Dillon. <laughs> and uh, an age-appropriate Matt Dillon. Yeah. Before we talk about Matt Dillon and so many other things, uh, what else have you been watching? Uh, I, got a lot, I, got, I got a few. I got a lot of new ones. Went and saw Quiet Place Part Two. Oh, okay, don't tell me what. Yeah, there's a double feature happening that I want to be a part of. Yes, I uh, highly recommend watching the first one before going into this one. I did it, you know, hours before going into the second one, and I'll say the second one is actually much better. It's really good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It is kind of the same plot structure of the first one, but there's so much great stuff that they do and it looks beautiful it, Krasinski can fucking direct like it, it I don't want to like say anything because I don't want to give anything away but like oh yeah no I'm not gonna say anything I yeah, just don't get anything I, I really enjoyed it the thing about horror movies and maybe this one gets it right uh, some of these longer franchises where they get into trouble is like oh we gotta mix it up and it's like no, that's not really what we're here for. I kind of want to see the teens at the camp get murdered again, or the, I don't know, the house full of traps get sprung again, or, you know, whatever. It, it can just go, we just want that, more of that, just. Mm -hmm. Like, and uh, what he does for the opening is day one. So the day the monsters come and that's a completely different feel of a movie than the rest of it and thought it was genuinely a smart idea to show that because it just you've seen day 89 already from the first movie to like day uh in the hundreds i don't know and uh so seeing day one for like a 10 minute opening was just solid because it's different from everything else dig well that's 28 days later. Just kidding. <laughs> what else you got? Uh, and then I rented some on Amazon. I rented City of Lies, Johnny Depp's movie with Forrest Whitaker, where the, Johnny Depp plays uh, Russell Poole, the detective that was in charge of the Biggie Smalls murder investigation. Yeah. And how he was like pinpointing it to the LAPD like they were directly involved with the murder because the bloods the gang uh the blood <laughs> I was gonna say the bloodhound gang <laughs> the bloods of Compton had infiltrated uh the LAPD department in a massive way and he was trying to expose that but because of the time and the situation he was under, a lot of his superiors were pushing under the rug because it looked like he was just trying to frame two, like uh, some black cops. And it's, it's really well done. It felt like a good 70s police story 
All right. Uh, yeah, no, I, I thoroughly dug it. It was worth the $7 rental. I liked it. <laughs> okay, for sure. What else do you got? Uh, let's see. The next one is Gia Coppola's newest film, Mainstream, with Andrew Garfield and Maya Hawke. Okay. I like Maya <laughs> Hawke a lot. Andrew Garfield, I'm a little more mixed on, but I generally like him. I'm, I'm, I tend to be- I, re- I really like him. And this movie- is like a hot it's a hot mess (laughs) but like i enjoyed watching it i'm not saying it's a great movie but all of the performances are good and it's just like it's a modern day view of celebrity like that that's what it is and it's andrew garfield was just really good that's why i really liked it but the movie itself is a hot mess (laughs) Yeah, ask me uh, off mic and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you some stories about my opinions about some of the things that you're saying right now. Okay. Uh, and then I watched Eric Bana's new movie, The Dry. Uh, okay. I like that. Uh, yeah, oh, he's really good in this. It's an Australian film uh, and he's a, a, a detective like in the city and there, his best friend w- killed himself and his uh, his wife and one of his kids before he killed himself. So he's yeah. going back there for the funeral. But that unravels a thing that happened in the past about a girl drowning and dying okay. that Eric Bana and his friends lied about. So it kind of uncovers the mystery of his friend's suicide and uh, the what happened in the past. <clears throat> it, it, it's, a, it's a good drama it's a little too long it was it's under two hours but like it could have been like five minutes shorter which is a nitpicky thing but uh i I enjoyed it i think it was worth the watch that sounds pretty dope man um there's a couple of australian crime thrillers that i'm one of them i'm trying to suss out right now what's um (laughs) it's anthony the polio right i don't know um, he was Joe in Empire Records, right? I'm trying to. Who? Which one's Joe? The the manager. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know his name off the top of my head. It it definitely is Anthony Napolia, and I'm trying to okay. find the name of this movie that he was in in Australia, and it is a crime thriller that's totally worth watching. You should say some other words about movies. Uh, yeah, well, there's a there's a Australian film called Wake and Fright. Have you heard of that one? No. Ooh, that one's a chilling one. Uh, it's about a teacher who uh, like works in like a very secluded outback town, and he has to catch the last train back to the city uh, for summer vacation and. or the holiday break I think it's Christmas actually and so that's why it throws it off you're in this dry dry heat area but it's Christmas time and uh he ends up (laughs) meeting these locals in the bar while he's waiting for his train and they start to test him like test his manhood if they can hang with him if they can if he can drink with them and end up missing his train and crazy shit ensues they take him on a kangaroo hunt which they filmed in real life like they filmed a real live 
kangaroo hunt and uh uh it's just brutal it's fucking crazy <laughs> i'm having a hard time finding the name of this movie so we'll move on from it but if anybody knows what i'm talking about it's worth watching all righty and all then right. the last thing i watched was a rewatch, and it was stranger than fiction okay yeah uh i love that movie i really love that movie very sweet yeah i think it's very sweet and the music is fucking killer in it are we talking about the same film here will ferrell maggie gyllenhaal yeah i love that one i don't know you like it and dustin hoffman emma thompson I, i you know it's been a long time since i've seen it but it for me, it fell into the category of like, why is Will Ferrell in this one though? No, I get, I like Will Ferrell too, but like, why is he in this? I mean, because it, it's a comedic role. There's only drama moments towards and like little pieces of it, but it's mainly a comedic role. He's yelling at a voice that is not there. <laughs> How can that not be funny? Yeah, it's generally funny, you know. In yeah. sort of uh, the way that like Evan Almighty or Bruce Almighty or, you know, I um, like a yeah, high Bruce com- Almighty, yeah, Evan Almighty, yeah. high concept. I, I like a high concept comedy. This yeah. one's but not it's, one it's of my favorites. Comedy. It's it's a drama too. Like it's, I think it speaks on to uh, creating literature and creating characters and how you grow so close to them that if it becomes real you're having a hard time to actually finish your story and like you said high concept that i just think really works and like do you sacrifice something that would create a uh, sacrifice a real person but it would create a piece of literature to withstand the test of time oh i wouldn't no would you no and that's what emma thompson decides to, like all of her books in the movie, she kills off all of her characters. She only writes tragedies. And uh, when she learns that Harold Crick is real, she has already outlined his death. She just hasn't typed it. So she knows how he's gonna die. He's going to die. And when she changes it, I think she changes it in a fucking brilliant way. Cause this man is revolved around time and his, watch holds his life he lives by his watch and the fact that when he his watch was um wrong and he got the time from a stranger that was three minutes late it set his whole life three minutes ahead therefore pushing blah 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 blah. like i love the connection of it all i another movie that did that recently was freaky where they set the watch five minutes ahead so that she's not late for class anymore. And it ends up being the reason that they can kill Vince Vaughn before midnight. Spoiler yep. alerts for freaky. Yep. Uh, freaky was fun. I liked freaky. Yeah. Freaky was a lot of fun. Yeah. Fair enough. I, there's a sort of self serious tone with stranger than fiction. And what's the Ricky Gervais one that's, got kind of a similar high the concept line right yeah Where, i wasn't the biggest fan of that one i really hate that one but both of them have this like smug tone this sort of self-serious thing where 
I'm like, ah, I like everybody here. I just don't really love this. I don't think it's self-serious. Uh, uh, Stranger Than Fiction does not feel that way at all. It just feels like a very sweet comedy drama. Okay. With some killer punk rock tunes. <laughs> Speaking of killer rock tunes. <laughs> um, all right, what else you got? That's it. Okay, I got a couple. I can lay down a few if you want. Uh, okay, how about this? I'll go in reverse order. I watched Escape from Alcatraz. Cool, great movie. Yeah, you know what I dug about it, man? And I, I'll be the guy who's like, movies don't do this anymore. They don't make them like they used to anymore, man. But so much of that movie is just the process. We spend a lot of time just watching guys kind of like, oh, look in a mirror, dig a hole, listen for the thing. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, shit, they dropped the fuck, you know, oh, I got to get the drill bit, you know, it's... Building the raft, uh, like, uh, the, not even a raft, the fucking plastic tarp. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, so I dug it. There's, it's old school in some of the characterization of say the supporting cast and mm-hmm. but I, I had a good time with it i like that movie a fair amount right on i do too okay uh the year is 1941 and that's not actually the year but that's the name of the movie steven spielberg 1941 yeah it's so much zemeckis is the thing it's a Zemeckis script famously and it really really feels like a Zemeckis movie and not so much like a Spielberg movie that was my big takeaway that's my sizzling hot take on that one I've actually never been the biggest fan of that movie uh my stepdad showed that to me when I was a kid and I just I didn't think it was that great I mean I was I was what freshman in high school but still I was just like "Hmm, not my kind of cup of tea I'd rather watch it's a mad, 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 mad world. Fair enough. I mean, that leans full on into the farcical nature of the story, right? And there's, I don't want to say a groundedness because Spielberg's never grounded, right? He's... He always goes big. Right, but in this very... Oh, Lincoln. Lincoln is a grounded movie. But it's about one of the biggest historical figures at one of the like most important times in our nation. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's pretty big. (laughs) Yeah, so, but even as big as he goes, he's very grounded in his cinematic language. He can tell a story visually. He really gets the thing done. Mm -hmm. This gets that stuff done. And there are moments like if you're into practical effects they're like tearing down houses and there's tanks rolling down the streets and planes flying totally but it's like what belushi what are you doing dan Aykroyd, what's going on here what movie am i okay i want to watch nancy allen for sure Mm -hmm. but i'm i'm never quite sure what movie i'm in and it does end up feeling mostly like a Zemeckis movie and not as much like, but it, when it gets cooking, it even when it gets cooking, it doesn't feel so much like a Spielberg movie. It feels a little, I don't know, backlot, you know, kind of a little thin. Hmm. Hmm. 
Anyways, uh, watched Predator. It's been a while, but had to. I went through all three. Yeah, we talked about. It. I went through all three of them recently. I told it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. so just number one for me so far. Uh, they're yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a lot of fun. They're not the greatest of movies though, and they all can be slightly boring in some scenes. <laughs> I I don't know that it's ever boring. It's punching so hard that it it sort of does become noise, you know. Okay, maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> but it has so many great fucking one-liners. Just <laughs> yeah, insane. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. I I was glad that I was watching it. And <laughs> I just love the sitcom ending of it where it's sort of freeze frame on. No, it's not freeze frame. It's like a turn to camera of like, I'm Carl Weathers. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you know you son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's what I got. Should we talk about things to die for? Are there any things that you're willing to disclose on the podcast that you would die for? No. <laughs> Good answer. Um, this movie I, I, starts... When's the last time you saw this movie? Oh, uh, the last time I saw this movie was today at around four o'clock. I mean, before watching it for this podcast. It might have been today at four o'clock. So you watched it twice? (laughs) I don't, I thought I had seen this movie and maybe I have, maybe it's somewhere deep in the, in the cable mind of a adolescent Kyle, but no, I I think this was the first time for me, legitimately. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I remember renting this and thinking, like, I didn't get the comedy of it when I was a kid. Okay. And, and so it played, like, a dark drama to me. And I was just like, this is fucking crazy. And, <laughs> and watching it now, I definitely got a lot of the the black comedy in there and the one thing i remembered fully was um what's the uh sister's name alina douglas i remember that scene the ending scene of her ice skating and i was like oh yeah i don't i guess that's not gonna come and then it's the final shot of the movie i was like oh my god i remember the final shot of this movie that's all i remembered really besides uh them killing matt dylan that really stuck with me Ileana Douglas never does not have ice skates on in this movie. <laughs> yeah, even when she's interviewed, she's on the ice. <laughs> First, and even when she's not on the ice, she has ice skates around her neck. And so, and then like one scene. <laughs> well, okay, but still. The movie does end with her dancing. The other shot at the very end of the movie is, and we'll we'll get back here, but it's the video camera. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, so I do think this is a mixed bag of a movie, but it's definitely so much of the 90s that it feels right. I It never feels right for me. That's sort of the problem. Okay, okay. And I can see that. I like it's not a great movie, but I don't know. I find Nicole Kidman so good in this. 
she is a crazy personality like a she plays this like sociopath this fucking psychopath just so well like a truly manipulative person she's at the height of her powers here definitely yeah she's costumed i have it written down twice just like oh my god her fucking costumes they're like very trailer trashy but they're like so vibrant like they're the high knockoffs you know what i mean yeah she's supposed to be the standout of the town like she's supposed to stick out more than everyone else i wonder if the real woman pamela smart did dress like that i so i also have a note here that i want to see the documentary of this movie but i want to talk about nicole kidman for a minute do it because she does stand out she's amazing in this movie she's like I I think the only one who really understands the movie that she's in, and maybe that even includes Gus Van Sant, because I, like you, found a lot of comedy here, but was sort of bumped the whole way, just like, wait, am I, where's my sympathy supposed to be? How serious am I supposed to be taking this thing? Like, she's, so circling back to Nicole Kidman, she's such a fucking movie star, that when her and Joaquin Phoenix, when Joaquin sees her for the first time and it's heavy metal drop. Yeah, dude. Uh, hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was into that. <laughs> it's working and it's weird and it's funny as hell. It's also taken from real life. Yeah, the know. woman had an obsession with metal music. And so did apparently every guy that she married or murdered the man that she married. That was one of the ways that they they bonded with each other. And so putting that drop in this movie speaks to, I think, the humor to be found in this story. But the way that it comes, it doesn't quite land as a... a, a straight up comic moment for me see i think they set you up for that moment with the metal in the opening credits they're playing like a orchestral tune and then it drops like like some heavy metal drums in there and it's all over the place and then it goes back to orchestral music and then blends it together so it's it's setting you up for this mishmash of a movie already and i feel like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. But yeah, I think that sets it up for being this weird melting pot of genres. I think it's trying. I really do. And I want to give it credit for trying because it's coming at a time like it's 1995. I'll give any movie credit for for trying to make a movie. (laughs) Because making a movie is hard. So therefore you get credit for even trying and doing it. You get one star for trying. You get two stars for making a, like a movie, you know, not even just trying, but like completing the project and making a movie that is complete. That's basically two stars for me. Three stars if you make a movie that's interesting. Four stars if you make a movie that is not only interesting, but has at least one or two things that I really, really like. And five stars, if it's all of those things and just the whole way, I just, I'm like, yes, 
yes, more, perfect. I love this movie. Yeah, if we're going out of five stars, this is like a 3.5. Like, it's a three even. Like, it's super entertaining. It's easy to get through. It's only an hour and 45 minutes. And the performances really take you along. I'm not saying the directing is necessarily Gus Van Sant's best, nor is the editing of it, but so everything else around it, I really dug on. The performances are totally there, although Joaquin is maybe ticking a little hard. Is I think he shines when he's being uh, interviewed in prison. Uh, like the afterwards of everything, not him being a kid in high school, but him reflecting on what has happened and how he still thinks about her every day. And that, that line of like, he's like, I can't wait to go to sleep at night because all he does is dream about her. Yeah, he's always good. He's never a bad actor. He's just a little heavy here in some ways that he sometimes can pull back and sometimes is not interested in pulling back. And, and I is- think that might be the kid actor, like the the mindset of the kid actor, or not kid, but he's probably what? He's young. He's, I mean, I was sort of shocked by how young he was, you know? And for Casey Affleck even too, this is before Goodwill Hunting, like which he has like a I thought was like his first thing as that small supporting role but I guess this was before uh he's fucking creepy here man he is he's very creepy for so many reasons I mean in, in context of the future but they it's both of them even at this point in their lives Phoenix and Affleck are really good casting for like that you know there's there's the good kids at school and then there's the bad kids at school and then there's like the dangerous kids at school, like the really bad kids at school. Mm-hmm. And they both feel like, it. Affleck for sure feels like the really bad kid at school. Like he probably has a knife on him and he might stab you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that, yeah. Yeah. He definitely would. I just want to throw out some of the other random supporting cast. Not random. It's great casting, actually. But Dan Hedaya as uh, Matt Dillon's father. Let's talk about it. Uh, Dan Hedaya? Yeah, because we'll get to Wayne Knight. Because Dan Hedaya ends up being on stage with Kurtwood Smith. And they're two of my favorite, like, those guys, that guy. Can you believe Dan Hedaya is in this movie? (laughs) <laughs> Dan Hedaya who ends up smashing his own bar to pieces and out of rage out of rage man and good uh, uh, I'm trying to find the uh, who played uh, the uh, his wife uh, Maria Tucci uh, yeah. was also excellent and I've not seen her in much but she looks so yeah no i've only seen her in this maybe some law and order sure yeah uh is she stanley tucci's sister yeah of the of the stanley tucci's yeah the tucci's okay (laughs) let's circle back to wayne knight because it wasn't until he shows up in the movie where i was like 
Oh, it's a comedy. You have Wayne Knight. It's a comedy. It's a. You can't ask me to take him seriously. Thank and you he's very funny. much. He's the facial manager. He's no. He's really good. He's super grimy and like there's. <laughs> I forget exactly what the line is, but he says something like, "Yes, let's sell this misery instantly." Or <laughs> not exactly that, obviously, but pretty much exactly that. Because this script is bad. I just, I gotta say it. It's definitely got a soap opera tone to it. But it's, it, that's gotta be done on purpose. It's not that, that's fine. It's that every character has kind of the same voice. And it's sort of typified with um, what's bangs, you know, the, the um, female support. Damn, dude. Lydia Murphy. You know who the writer is? No, talk to me. What's who's the writer? He's written some fucking great movies. Uh, uh, his name is Buck Henry. <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, it is. And That's he wrote the lead of a western serial yeah. that I've been pitching to nobody recently. Uh, yes, that is his name. And he wrote The Graduate, he okay. wrote The Allen the Pussycat. He wrote What's Up Doc, which is one of the funniest slapstick comedies ever. Uh, he wrote... The Owl and the Pussycat is a pub I used to go to in London. Really? I, hey, I well, think so, yeah. It's a movie with... Uh, oh, okay. It's not The Owl and the Pussycat that I'm thinking. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay, yeah. Uh, with Barbara Streisand and George Siegel. Uh, but for some reason... Right above it, it says there's a 30-minute TV movie called The Owl and the Pussycat, but <laughs> that's not the one that I'm talking about. Uh, and then he wrote To Die For, and then he wrote uh, <laughs> the movie, according to Warren Beatty, got him to quit acting. But it wasn't because of the screenplay. It was because of the production. And that is Town and Country. You heard of that one? I have heard of that one, although I have not. I don't think I've seen that one. Dang, I think it went through like four. I think it went through four years of production. It Dang. started in like 97, 98, and was released in 2001. But like shit just kept falling apart during it, and all the actors would go off, make other movies, and then they'd have to come back and film this ridiculous movie. And uh, uh, yeah, it, it has a crazy history that I haven't like looked up in a while, but it's the movie that got him to quit acting. All right. Well, cool i guess i don't yeah, know I like baby <laughs> it it does speak to it being a little out of time and maybe it's kind of the thing that a lot of the black comedies in the 90s did where it was they didn't go quite hard enough because they were afraid about who they were going to appeal to and so yeah for being an r it definitely could have went harder it, it could have had more sex. It could have had more violence. It could have, I, granted, they are sticking to a real life story, but when you take advantage of the ending of a real life story, you can do whatever you want. It so, doesn't need more sex or violence. Sorry, go ahead. You definitely can do whatever you want. What do you want to see? No, 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 no. That's just what I was saying. You could have just maybe gone a little harder with your R rating. I don't think it needs more sex or more violence. It needs more time at like the dinner scene where 
Nicole Kidman first meets Dylan's family, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like just to- fuming at the sister for her internship or whatever the fuck it is. The first half of this movie is too long, and the second half of this movie is too short. It's too short. Hmm. Okay. I'd like to see a director's cut of it where it's a little more person centric because where it lands right now is like, oh, she's just envious, fame centric, has to be the center of attention kind of person. And there's Hmm. something happening in this movie that's really, really interesting. But at the time this story happened and the time this movie was made, we barely have language for it. We're now the sort of force of celebrity is a little more understood, mm-hmm. even for as sort of inchoate and mutable as it is, we, we intuit it, right? And what's happening in, during the course of these events and these types of personalities is sort of, uh, I don't know, the kids are uh, crazy because of these video cameras. So it does sort of sound like the guy who wrote The Graduate trying to grapple at something that was made in 1995. <laughs> and I don't know if it's a like matter of just the script, but I also feel a lack of confidence in some of the filmmaking where it's like, is it a mockumentary? Is it... Um, a dramatization i, I kind of said it earlier i really want to watch the the documentary the true crime documentary of this right because there's got to be footage of it and yeah of pamela smart that's the real woman's name right um i just thought of a a, a good late night double feature this could be paired with the one that i was telling you earlier the Giacopola one mainstream which is a modern day retelling of this, just not with a murder, but about fame and celebrity and what it means. So I feel like a good like campy B-movie double feature of To Die For and Mainstream would actually work really well. <laughs> okay. I might have to check that out maybe. Yeah, you can, you can rent Mainstream. It's on all of the platforms. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Um, do you have, I got a few more things about to die for. Do you have? Yeah. Go ahead. Um, it does feel like it might've been not necessarily an Oscar play, but a big movie. Oh, just, I was like, oh, Danny Elfman scored this movie. And he's sort of determined to show us that it's a a thriller the whole way through. It's so, all right. Danny Elfman, (laughs) you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's only moments, though, that I can remember a score. Like, it didn't really stand out to me. It, it's largely in the titles on the front and end where it's really, really intense. Gotcha. Yeah, to his credit, he's a little more restrained here than he often is. Really? <laughs> huh. Yeah, maybe that's why I didn't pick up on it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have two <laughs> notes here that now that I've deleted some, they're stacked on top of each other. One of them just says, Matt Dillon, nope. And the other one says, stop asking me to take Matt Dillon seriously. You don't like Matt Dillon. 
I don't. I'm really afraid that this is becoming a Matt Dillon podcast. I mean, I, I only can think of like a bunch, maybe six movies that I like him in, maybe that I've seen him in. Like, I love The Outsiders, Rumblefish, There's Something About Mary. Um, uh, there's three. I, I'm trying to think of more. I yeah, know I can only think of six movies, so good for you. <laughs> Um, um, what else oh yeah okay i don't want to peer shit on it so the when she pulls out the boom box at the funeral and starts playing oh, all by God. myself that was very funny i could not stop laughing phenomenal yeah <laughs> that's real real good but it also it it's too funny for this movie you know like she has him killed on her anniversary and we kind of move right, right past that until we get to the funeral and she pulls out the, it needs to punch just a little bit harder. I've said it before. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that feeling. Uh, like it, it doesn't lean too much into being a comedy. It doesn't lean too much into being a drama nor a crime movie. It tries to blend all three like it tries to blend all three and it doesn't work. They need to lean, like if they would have leaned into the comedy of this and made it a truly dark comedy, like a um, like a Terry Zweigoff type of film, like a bad Santa, like go really dark with it or just What's make it drama. Cause this story does lend itself to being a straight drama with some great character work. But I, I think that would miss, I don't know, because but that scene at the funeral where she plays that song is it's so funny that like I feel like they were like, maybe we should add more comedy into this. <laughs> and then Gus Van Sant's not the guy to do it, you know? Yeah, no, the I'm trying to think he doesn't really have any comedies. No, all no, I went through his filmography earlier and I just was sort of like, oh, yeah, he might be one of the dudes I'm not super enthused about. It, the movie that you're describing sort of reminds me of, is it Drowning Mona or? That's a mishmash of a movie too. That is mainly supposed to be a dark comedy with, with Bette Midler. Uh, what's the one where like, Devin Sawa has a lawnmower. Devin Sawa has a lawnmower. It's not Idle Hands. No, no, it's not Idle Hands. I'm thinking of a different one. Teaching Mrs. Tingle? I don't know. I mean, no, it can't. No, Devin Sawa's not in it. And, um. Or maybe Casey Affleck has a lawnmower? Casey Affleck has a lawnmower. <laughs> um, no, I don't know what movie you're trying to think of here. I'm trying to Google your keywords and nothing is popular. <laughs> well, good luck for you. Yeah. I'll try and wrap this thing up. I love the moment towards the end where, again, when it's being a comedy, I actually am pretty into it. When the cops 
like come out of the crime scene with the pistol and they show it to what's her name with the bag. Uh-huh. And they're just like, here, co-conspirator, here's the evidence we're going to charge you with. Anyways, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, maybe they should have leaned into the comedy more. They absolutely should have because when they don't lean into the comedy enough, they end up with lines like, as career criminals, you guys flunk out of kindergarten. And you could have just let the actors riff for three minutes and gotten a better line out of them. Mm-hmm. Also, this movie comes to a head where she's meeting with who she believes to be a studio exec at like... And yeah, in the middle of nowhere on an icy lake or an icy river, whatever it is. And she's parking by like an abandoned trailer park next yeah. to a sawmill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to go talk right over here. Oh, really? I brought the tapes if you want them. Yeah, yeah, bring yeah, them right here. The <laughs> uh, and so uh, obviously she gets put in the icy water and you see her under the ice. And it, it's that area that Alina Douglas is skating on afterwards and of course it is yeah of course oh yeah you didn't catch that it's the same area that she's skating on she stares right into the camera and skates off because her family had her murdered and uh uh i feel like there's a moment where she kind of comes to a stop and she looks down i didn't rewind it but like she spots the body and then keeps on skating off but i wasn't sure if that's what happened but i was like oh i kind of like that if that happened i'll go with that yeah I'm going with that. Uh, I'm uh, just, this is my last thing. I'm just looking at Vance Sant's filmography and I'm, I just want to go through the ones that I do like because he does have some that I don't. <laughs> some. Uh, love Drugstore Cowboy. Sure. I love My Own Private Idaho. Uh, to Die For is a, a mixed mash of a movie, but it's enjoyable to me. Um love goodwill hunting uh i don't like his psycho but i oddly like to watch it which is it, weird well I it's don't super watchable because it's uh I, i've told the story elsewhere before but i was in a uh, a room where a guy pitched a remake of um dr strangelove or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Mm-hmm. And the immediate reaction is like, get out of this room, please, and go into a different room where we are not, because that's an insane thing that you just said out loud. And I don't want to hear any more of your words, sir. And, but instead of saying those things out loud, we listened to his pitch and he had a, a decent-ish pitch, you know, plot-wise, but he made a really impassioned pitch for remaking things that work. And it's a bad part of Hollywood, but it's also a part of storytelling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when stagecraft was the dominant form of storytelling for hundreds of years there were plays that we have now made into movies dozens, I shouldn't say dozens, but several times, right? Mm -hmm. 
and depending on how Jungian or Campbellian you want to be, we're only telling a handful of stories to begin with. But even still, we're getting to a point where with cinema, where the art form is sort of requisitely folding in on itself. There's mm. only so many things you can say with this thing until you make the great leap forward. And we haven't and also, made... Go ahead. It's, like, it's also like, if Universal is going to make this movie, I might as well, like coming from Gus Van Sant, like I might as well have tried to do this because I don't want someone else to uh, some random filmmaker to come in and fuck it up even more I want to make it how Hitchcock made it even though he changes something like it's not a perfect uh, shot for shot remake but there is a lot of shot for shot stuff and I can see why he would want to do that because he was just trying to emulate a fucking icon and he wasn't trying to change that movie in any drastic way it was just the same story, just with slightly different directing. Just imagine getting paid that much money to copy somebody else's homework, though. Right, yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, and then I like Finding Forrester. Haven't seen that one in a while, though. You're uh, the man now, dog. Dog. Uh, Jerry, that's a great little independent one. Elephant is also good. Last Day is that the kind of Kurt Cobain movie about his last days and uh, Milk and then that's really it the rest after that I'm not the biggest fan of Promised Land was it was entertaining uh, not, and not even entertaining it's not the right word it was just like the lowest of low key dramas like a, <laughs> about fucking land like it just it was <laughs> okay. so simple I was just like huh, what an odd choice of a movie to make at this point in your career i mean at a certain point you mellow out man it's true but then he goes and makes sea of trees after that which is a fucking crazy ridiculous melodrama just really bad about the suicide forest in japan oh wait which one the sea of trees matthew mcconaughey's in it it's crazy bad it's like overly done melodramatic uh, uh, melodramatic i'm thinking of the one with um, natalie dormer no 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 that's called the, the forest this one is the sea of trees <laughs> okay. and it's also got naomi watt and ken watanabe well i like a lot of what you're saying right now oh well you should watch the movie because it's hilariously melodramatic <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. Okay, we can't get into it. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's it for me on to die for. I will say one last thing, which is sort of a, in its defense, the idea at the core of the movie. This thing is about integrity. And there is something interesting to this idea that gets repeated about it. You're a better person when people are watching mm -hmm. i think the idea of like what will you do to be seen sort of gets muddled but like i said it, it, i don't think we were really necessarily prepared to tell that story but uh 
at one point someone told me that integrity is doing the right thing even when nobody is watching. And it is an empirical fact that people will behave more strictly when they believe they're being watched. And there is something to the inversion of like, yeah, I just want to live my best life. I will totally murder so that I can have my best life. What's wrong (laughs) with that? You know, that disconnect, (laughs) that sort of, uh, it's to die for. Yeah.